I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Kim Grenells of dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Day 17 at Husky Stadium. Kind of a really nice day out here today. Probably temperature in the high 60s. Uh, perfect football weather. And... Um, doesn't look like we're going to have that many. Of the, it looks like I don't think we're going to see any more 90 degree days out here. We might see a couple in the low 80s, but uh, yeah, just kind of mild, uh, nice and mild in Seattle on the shores of Lake Washington. Perfect day for football again. We had a chance to talk to Coach DeBoer yesterday, and he pretty much said that they were just going to be um, doing a lot of cleanup type things today, and that's pretty much what we saw today, Chris. Yeah, a lot of situational stuff, a lot of especially at the end with the team periods, I think we saw what we would expect to see if we were allowed to go into practice during game weeks, which was a lot of first-team offense versus what we would expect to see the scout team defense look like. And then they flipped it where they would have the scout team uh, offense go up against the, the first-team defense. So we saw we got to see a lot of that at the end of the period, which I, which I thought was actually kind of interesting because it's the first time we've really gotten a chance to see Austin Mack and um, and Johnson throw uh, a little bit since Michael Penix came back because there was obviously that big chunk where, where Austin Mack got a ton of reps while Penix was off um, kind of just doing his thing. But now it's now you can tell it's pretty much they're getting into game mode. They're, they're going down the funnel and tightening yep, things up for and sure. narrowing things. And, Scott, yesterday uh, Coach DeBoer uh, you know, announced that Cam Davis is going to be out for the year. What did you notice in the running back rotation today? Um, just – I mean, basically it was next man up. I mean, Will Nixon got the first team reps at least early on. I saw Dylan Johnson get quite a few uh, first team reps. Daniel Nagata and, and um, uh, Richard Newton split reps with the second team. Uh, Tybo, it was nice to see him back. He actually got uh, some – it was more run with the third team and because he, he wasn't wearing pads for those – um, who weren't here, obviously, everybody listening to this should be that. Um, he's still in a, in a climatization period because he's been gone so long. And so um, he was not able to be in pads, whereas the players that were had been practicing regularly were in shoulder pads today. And, Chris, I asked Coach DeBoer yesterday, so it, on the first play on offense – well, that player necessarily, does that mean he's the first-team player, or does that mean he's in there for the package? He didn't give a real clear answer on that, so I don't think there's a clear-cut number one right now. Well, if there was any time for them to obfuscate and not be 100% transparent with the media, which I give credit for DeBoer, I feel like he's been as transparent as he could possibly be for the most part. But if there was ever an opportunity where they can kind of take this negative with Cameron Davis being out and turn it into somewhat of a muddied message to the Boise State coaches, for instance, this is the time to do it. Because, for instance, I put in the practice report, I, you know, you mentioned the guys that were getting the reps, Scott. It, to me, it was Will Nixon and then Dylan Johnson and then Daniel Ngata. And then as soon as I put that those guys seemed to be the ones that were getting the majority of the reps, in comes in Richard Newton. Mm-hmm. So it's like just when you think you might get a handle on kind of who was in the pecking order, it changed a little bit. So I think they're going to try to keep that thing open as much as they can. Did you notice Sam Adams out there today? 
I, yes. Well, he was out there, he in, was there. in uh, individual drills. He just didn't do very much in I did not see work. him do anything in the team periods. And sometimes, you know, it'll, that'll happen. And then if we were to have practice tomorrow, he'd probably be running with the ones because of the way they mix and match yes. things. But, he, but even in the seven-on-sevens and some of the other things where Tybo Rogers was getting reps, I didn't see Sam Adams yeah. getting reps other than individual drills. And by the way, not only was uh, Tybo Rogers back with the team, Diesel Gordon was back too. Yes. Both of those had been suspended. And I, to my recollection, when I remember looking at Diesel today, I think he was actually in pads. I think I saw him but in pads. But that's because he's only he had only been out for a couple of days. Correct. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I don't think they were necessarily suspended at the same time. Yeah. So I think Diesel's a little farther ahead in terms of what he's capable of doing. Also, uh, you know, DeBoer was asked yesterday if uh, – Dylan Johnson was capable today of carrying a heavy load, and he said he was. Yeah, and I mean, I think I, I think they're still just kind of easing him in and doing that. I just also think it's a function of Will Nixon just having a really good camp. I mean, he looks great. He looks explosive. He catches the ball really well, which we already knew he could do that. Um, so I, I think the coaches just really like Will Nixon a lot. But, yeah, Dylan Johnson is going to see a lot of carries, e- even if Cam Davis wasn't hurt. Dylan Johnson was going to see a lot of carries this year. One thing is I noticed with Will Nixon, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but I'm trying to think of the eights that would have been out there, and I think of Willie Hurst. Yeah. I think of Kenny James. He's more he, like Willie Hurst. But I was going to say, I, yeah. he, feel, he feels like he's kind of a mix between the two a little bit, mm-hmm. but he's not He's not really lower center of gravity like a Kenny James was. He's faster than and Kenny. He, and, he, and he's not necessarily quicker in the box like a Willie Hurst would have been. Um, I don't think you'll see him doing the whirling dervish. No, uh, but I'll tell you what, he clearly, he, I think he's probably very much a better pass catcher than either one of those guys was. Mm-hmm. So more versatile in that way. And those way. guys weren't horrible. No. Just, he's just really good at it. And that's why they call him a receiver slash running back. Dick Fain was at practice today, and he sat with us, and Dick was just mesmerized on how open. There was always a wide receiver with nobody around him, and I think we've taken that for granted a little bit, but it just seems like every live you know, um, rep that we've seen, there always seems to be a wide receiver open, and I don't think that's uh, demeaning to the defense at all. These wide receivers are good. They are. And there were times when the first team was running against the third team secondary. So, um, you know, you got to take that into account. But, yeah, I mean, it, and the fact that Michael Penix knows who to go to. He knows where everybody yeah, he is. Yeah, he knows that, where to go to and, and things like that. I, I just think, you know, we were talking about it, and this secondary might not see a better wide receiver core all season long. There's really only one that I think is even – comparably above Washington. Everybody else is either even with or below Washington, and that's Ohio State. And that's because they have two elite NFL guys playing for them and Emeka Ibuka and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Other than that, you know, I don't think you could throw a group up on the board and say they're better than Washington other than that Ohio State. Are there four NFL wide receivers on Washington's roster right now? I think there's five. I think McMillan and O'Dunsey next year, Polk possibly next year, and I think Boston and uh, Jeremy uh, Bernard are both eventual uh, NFL guys. And I think from everything that I've seen, and this is nothing against Keith, Keith Reynolds because I think he looks really good too, but Tayshawn Lyons and uh, Rashid Williams have the chops to be NFL guys. We just haven't seen them really – get out there and do it on a regular basis. Well, yet. and with Charles Jackson, Charles Jackson was practicing today, but again, yep. limited individual type stuff and wasn't really doing a ton of return stuff because we can talk about the, the special teams as well 
Um, definitely need to focus on that a little bit. But I would say with Giles Jackson, it's the guy that's been getting kind of consistent two reps has been Tayshawn Lyons. He's been the one that's been working with Denzel Boss and Jeremy Bernard um, for the most part. But, you know, once it became clear, guys, that this this was going to be – there was going to be a lot of scout team element to the team periods, and it was going to be like a lot of – instead of good on good, it was going to be more like 1-0 versus a mix maybe of 2-3 and three <coughs> D or even lower or mm-hmm. the true frosh guys and vice versa. I really wanted to take a look at the at what it was more like with the one on ones, mm-hmm. and the one on ones is where you really got to see this the, the corners line up with the receivers and see them go to town. And really, to be honest with you, as far as a cornerback goes, it re- Jabbar Muhammad is oh, by far yeah. and away the best guy that they have cover corner, and it really wasn't close. And Chuck Morrell said um, that Elijah Jackson is the number two. Yeah, he basically said he has separated himself from the rest of the pack. Um, it. it They've really noticed it over the last seven to ten days about how he's just separated. And what I would say, too, is, you know, so you've got Muhammad and Jackson as the number one corners. I think the number two corners have started to separate themselves, too. I think it's Devon Banks. I think it's Thaddeus Dixon. Yeah. I think those two guys are your depth. And then you've got Javon, uh, Javion Green coming in as well. You've got Darren Barkins coming in as well. So you've got some guys behind them. But that, I think those first four, I think, are the... Two deeps at corner right now. Three and f- three and four are going to get a lot of reps. No, lots. And the five guy is probably going to get some, too, because, you know, they're going to roll out a lot of nickel. They're going to roll out a lot of dime. They showed it last year. They're going to roll out a ton of guys. And as we saw last year with the number of guys that also got hurt, they, they're they not going to make sure – they're going to try to make sure that doesn't happen again, obviously. You can't – necessarily account for when injuries happen but you have to make sure that the next guy up is and that you're prepared yeah and that's they're getting ready for those guys but it's clear if they got to get to their fifth and sixth guys they're going to be in big trouble again because they're they're in a better shape than they were last year but that's still when you're getting that deep there's probably no team in the country that can really deal i was just gonna say that yeah you know anybody who's getting to their fifth and sixth guys in the secondary I mean, with very few exceptions, I might even talk. I'm talking about Alabama and Georgia, even. And if they're getting to five and six, now they might be better than Washington's five and six, but they're going to be well below the guys who are starting. But the proof will be in because obviously the first seven weeks of the season last year, or first eight weeks, I think then they have seven or eight different uh, secondary lineups. The lineup, the secondary lineup, I think only lined up two or three times. Yeah, the whole year the same guys. Yeah, I mentioned earlier, you know, take it for granted how wide open the receivers get. I think you know we've also come to just kind of be, you know, ho hum with Michael Penix and uh, Dylan Morris is because if you hadn't been to a practice and seen those guys and this was your first practice, I think you'd be blown away by both of those guys. You know, and to us it's gotten ho hum because they have a great practice all the time. And then in addition, you know, we got to see uh, quite a bit of. Um, uh, Austin Mack, and if mm-hmm. you remember his first practice, I mean, he looked so like a fish out of water. Boy, he's come a long way. Oh, absolutely. I think he looks much more poised. I think he understands the offense more. I think he knows where everybody's supposed to be. Um, he's running his play fakes a little bit better. He's still uh, you know, at least two or three steps behind Dylan Morris as far as if you're talking about who's ready to go in and be the second quarterback. But Austin Mack... I will be absolutely blown away if he doesn't play in four games this year. He will play in four games this year. Well, if they get an opportunity to mop yeah. up, for sure. Yeah. I would, But I would say, especially the way a practice like this is situated, and I think this is why Coach DeBoer was so – he wanted to be as clear as possible as to how this practice was going to be structured. 
it makes it look like the chasm between Penix and Morris to Austin Mack or to Alex Johnson or whoever is behind those guys, it's exacerbated. Because again, you're talking about the one the one O, which Morris is gonna get some of those backup reps against the Scout D. And then you've got the Scout O, which is gonna be Mack and Johnson going up against the number one D. And so the Scout O is gonna look b- worse than the than the first team guys for obvious reasons. And then that that chasm is even widened once they start really um, as you said, Kim, as they start to really funnel down and get into what they're going to do as far as their game week preps and what their, what their call sheet's going to look like. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I don't know if you guys agree, but I just think this offense, I call it the Star Wars offense. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, it is insane. They're, they averaged, what, 42.3 points a game last year? Somewhere around there, yeah. yeah. And it, it looks better this year than it did last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll be interested to see if they can eclipse that. Um, well, the games are going to be shorter. The games are going to be shorter. They're going to, um, you know, they're going to run the ball, I think, a little bit more than they did last year. And the interior offensive line is different. It's just a different interior offensive line. And I don't think they want Michael Penix to throw for 5,000 yards. I just don't. Well, the one thing that that is kind of a positive as far as from the media standpoint, getting a chance to watch a practice this close to game week, which typically, I don't know historically if we ever really have uh, gotten to do that. But one of the real benefits, guys, that I saw, and hopefully you guys got a chance to see it too, was that now that they're funneling these things down, they're getting it down to what they want to use. You got to see a lot of exotic looks with the ones offense and defense. I mean, I saw some things that Ryan Grubb was throwing at the defense, the scout team defense, and it wasn't fair. And then conversely, there were some things that Chuck Morell and, and William Inch were throwing at the scout team offense that was like, that doesn't, I don't even know what that looks like. It's so exotic. I mean, I'm looking at numbers and I'm trying to fit, well, okay, why is that guy there? Why is this guy doing that? And you can really tell that they're going to try to be throwing a lot of kitchen sink stuff, whether it's on offense or defense, because these guys, again, it goes back to that idea of being at the two or 300 level right now compared to where they were at 100 level last year. And for them to be 100 level last year and to do what you just said, Kim, all the things that they were able to do, points and, and yards and everything else, and to think that that offense could be that much more advanced with essentially the same unit, it's pretty scary to think of the possibilities. Well, yeah, we saw Chapter 1 last year. Well, guess what? They just added Chapter 2 this year, maybe two and a half. Yeah, and, and, and now, again, losing Cameron Davis, that's a huge blow. 
they're, they've got to try to mitigate that at some point because one of the things that Kendall DeBoer really highlighted at the beginning of fall camp was how much they needed to, to hit the ground running with the running backs because they're fully expecting the receivers to get shut down. They're fully expecting the opposing defenses to target Washington's receivers to try to shut them down and shut down the passing game and get to Penix. That means the, the, the running backs, and they have to be on point early. And so that's going to be a big thing, a big point of emphasis for sure. But that being said, I, I look at that offense, and I'm trying to think, okay, so you stop the receivers. You gonna stop the tight ends? Are you really gonna stop all the running backs? You gonna stop all? They have too many weapons. And as long as the offensive line holds up, and we can talk a little bit about that with Guard Memelar being out now for the rest of the year, they had uh, they moved some guys around. We can talk a little bit about that. But I still, even with some of the losing them, some of their firepower, it's like it's the next man up is still pretty dangerous. Yeah, I still think the offensive line, uh, you know, that we've seen him mix and match a little bit, but I still think that starting five is pretty much uh, as it was at the beginning of camp. Well, I, but I thought the real interesting part of that today was is that they continued to throw Landon Hatchet right into the fire. I mean, right into it. But last he was he was in the two deeps at left guard, backing up where Memolar would have been, and Jalen Clem was at left tackle. So they're throwing these new guys right into the mix, and and they're. They're giving them everything they can handle. Well, they they rotated a lot of offensive linemen in last year. Melee got a lot of uh, additional playing time, and uh, you know, same with Kalepo and um, Bulo last year. <laughs> Excuse me, they saw the field quite a bit, so I, I expect to see the same thing this year. Yeah, I, I think you'll see that. I, I did ask Scott Huff if he could see the same role for Parker Brailsford as what Mateo Melee had last year, where. He subbed in for three or four series every game. Because yeah. um, I don't know, how many series do they have per game? What, six, seven? Or more than that. More oh, like no, nine, way more 10, than that. Yeah, nine, at least. 10, 11. Yeah, I would say at least double digits. And, and Melee got in for at least three every series or every game. And I could and I asked him if he could see Parker Brailsford in that same. And he goes, we have no problem throwing him out there. And we think he'll be able to run everything that we run with Mateo. What I'm wondering, though, is whether or not he could see a Jalen Clem or a Landon Hatchet getting more than four games. Um, now, because Clem's already redshirted, but and I think he's got a COVID year, if I remember right. Or was he just a no, freshman he's a last 2021. year? No, 2021. Okay, so he so he doesn't. So I I wonder if he would I wonder if he would play more than four games because right mm-hmm. now it looks like he's the backup left tackle. Yeah. Um, but Landon Hatchet to me. He looks like they're going to play him more than four games. Yeah, looks and, like, and and it's not we're not talking about center, even though Huff has been on record pretty much saying he's the first guy that he's ever really recruited just to play center. Yeah, uh, we got a chance to talk to some defensive players today, and I always get them mixed up: the defensive lineman, the Parker twins. You had a chance to talk to one of them. I can't remember which one it was. Javon Parker, the one who's actually played. Yeah, Armon um, has not played, so he's not available to talk to yet. But Javon. You guys are going to love this personality on this kid. I'll, I'll have this up in the next couple of days, his interview. But uh, really, just a really positive guy, not quiet. Um, you know, definitely likes to to talk and have fun and and all that kind of stuff. We asked him a lot about um, what it was like, you know, coming in. And I asked him, you know, the first time he heard his name called to go out on the field, and that was against Kent State uh, that he had that. And and he said he said. I he go I I was ready but I wasn't ready, you know he was like I was ready I had studied I had done all of my stuff, 
but I didn't think my name was going to be called. You're, you're never so, fully yeah. prepared, right? Yeah, so he said, man, I had some butterflies going and all that kind of stuff. But he said, you know, once you get out there, it's just football. And and he said he had fun. And, and I asked him about getting in against Arizona State. I think he started that game. If he didn't start the game, he played he, it very He early. played a ton because he played for Thule yeah. a lot. Because he was game. dinged up. So, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, he's... He's an impressive kid. I think people are going to really enjoy getting to know him over the next couple of years, especially as he gets even more comfortable and they get and 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 he feels like he can talk. He's not a 19-year-old trying to explain stuff. He'll be a 20-21-year-old and that's a lot different. It'll be interesting to see the differences between him and his twin too. Yeah. Once he, we can talk to Armand. Javon is the more talkative one, but Armand Armand was pretty good too. So, you had a chance to talk to Chuck Morrell. Anything from Chuck today? Defensive coordinator. Um, he talked about uh, MJ Ale quite a bit. Um, he did. I, you know, I already kind of mentioned he he did say that EJ uh, or Elijah Jackson has made himself the number two corner. He's right right there with Jabbar Muhammad. So those are your two starters. Uh, he talked about uh, Cameron Fabi Kulan and said that uh, we count him as a starter. Uh, said he's got a lot of experience and they like what he brings to the table. Um, I we did ask about the linebackers. We 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 went through each level of the defense and how they're playing. And one thing he did say was he goes Zion and Braylon Trice are the two starters. But he said Sakai uh, Asuafoa he has made himself a guy that they're not going to be able to keep off the field. He is the the progress he has made and the jumps he has made in his development from last year at this time to now. He said he's just a completely different kid, and he goes, we can put him on the field edge spot so that it's on the open side where they need a guy who's bigger so he can hold up against the run. And he said Sakai, Sakai has really done well technically and, and learned how to do the different things that he needs to do to be able to play there. And so that's why they're rewarding him with number one reps. Well, they, and you even posted on the on the practice thread today that he was getting reps with the one. He started out with the he ones. did. Yeah. Um, it was him and Trice. Yeah, and then ZTF was with um, was it Voy Holtzclaw or, or Voy? I can't remember. But he, but they've yeah. got they've got numbers there now. Yeah. Now with Voy in there uh, to help, and and we still don't know what the status is going to be with Durfee, even though he's mm-hmm. out there practicing. We'll see what the status with his waiver is. We do need to ask that soon, but we probably asked on the, Monday. Asked DeBoer, we asked oh, yesterday. You guys asked there was DeBoer. no change. No, no change. Yeah. They don't, and they don't know. The there's no timeline. It, you've got to admit, we've been doing this a long time. We're on our eighth coaching staff. It's uh, kind of refreshing. We ask coaches questions, and they actually answer them, and they're pretty transparent with everything. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what actually happens when they line up on game day. For I sure. still remember Scott Huff last year. Dropping the bomb that Jackson wasn't going to be able to play yeah. that first game, and then he looks, and we were like, "Oh, really?" And he goes, "You guys didn't know that?" And he go, and we were like, "Uh, no." And he said, he kind of looks at at the media guys, and he's just like, "Uh, I screwed up." <laughs> yeah, and and so he goes, "Can you guys can we make that off the record?" Because I thought that was already out there. So, but I mean, they'll answer questions for you because they're they they don't. They're they're not they're not paranoid. They're just like, hey, this is what it is, you know. And and they don't have a problem telling us if we ask them a question. Well, and again, when they're talking about who might be in the depth, who might be starting, who's kind of made themselves the, at the head of the competition, things like that, we're still just talking about personnel. We're not talking about scheme. We're not talking about system. We're not talking about what they focused on. They're not talking about how they're going to be used. So I think in that way, when they use certain players, they can. Un- and, and I think 
more to your point, Scott, though, I think when they use those competitions, when they have the things that are in the, the weight room and, and like with Juice Brown, with the takeaways and things like that, they already have their competitions. So the coaches are going to be saying stuff to the media that all the players already know. So it's not like some trade secret that they're revealing yeah. that all of a sudden we'll get back to the players. Because I can guarantee you the players are the first guys that are going to know exactly where they stand with this particular coaching staff. Can you update us on EJ Savannah? EJ? <laughs> I don't know who you're referring EJ to. EJ Savannah? No, that's a joke from like 20 years ago. Yeah, but, any, oh, gotcha. Anyways, um, just uh, I, I texted with Jen Cohen a little bit last night, so it feels kind of weird knowing this. She's not at the helm of things, yeah. but uh, she's doing well down there, still adjusting. So it'll, it'll be interesting to follow the AD search. I think it's going to take a while. I'd be surprised if we have anybody by the end of the year. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, maybe and next spring. Seeing her in red is still very yeah. weird. I let her know. And throwing, <laughs> just and weird, yeah, up, and throwing up the fight on. Yeah, that, that was always that. You know, I mean, bottom line is a year from now it'll be like, oh yeah, Jen did. She did work at Washington, didn't she? I forgot about that. Yeah. But uh, right now it's it's fresh and it's 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 still a bit bizarre. She texted me because I guess um, I'm the one who always referred to her as sideline Jen, and she said sideline Jen was trending in L.A. She goes, thanks. So that was. Well, I think, but I, I think that's a positive. I yeah. Think that, that showed her in a good light. Um. Not to jump too far into the kind of the end of this stuff, but I did want to talk about the conversation I had with Eric Schmidt um, regarding special teams because the one of the kind of the news that came out of today was that um, being transparent with the with the with the media and whatnot, uh, Schmidt pretty much kind of laid out the specialists at least who you know would be lining up if the Boise State game was tomorrow. So it looks like, and again, this kind of ref- was a reflection of how they kicked today. Because Grady Gross had, I thought, a really, really good day. Yep. I mean, it looked like he was perfect, five for five, that I could tell. I only it's, counted three, but yeah, it's yeah, the you're depth right. perception is weird where and we the silent and where you sit on the side. But if we were right behind the uprights, it'd be easy to tell. Um, whereas with Addison Schrock, he was two for four, and the two that he missed were clearly misses. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, uh, and Grady Gross, his long kick, I think, was from about 48 mm-hmm. that I remember. So he was clearly had plenty of legs. Clearly, really good day today. Schmidt echoed it. He said he's been super consistent. We always knew he had the strongest leg, and he's kind of just tried to really emulate a lot of what Peyton Henry did and learned a lot from him. And so, one of the things they learned in using Peyton Henry they, the way they did last year is that they tried to lessen him on kickoffs, which is why they used Gross last year on the kickoffs, and then it really helped Peyton Henry with his accuracy and just staying fresh with PATs and with field goals. And so they're going to try to do that then this year. And so they're going to, it sounds like they'll either use Schrock at the kickoffs or maybe even Adam Saul, the, the walk-on or the transfer from Illinois State, who they really like his athleticism. And so they'll try to use him maybe on kickoffs. And then it sure sounds like Jack McAllister's wrapped up the, the punting job for sure. But it sounds like Saul has made up some ground. And the holder. And, the holder. and he'll be the holder as well, regardless of whether it's uh, Gross, who's the right-footed kicker, or if it's Schrock, who's the left-footed kicker. So they he's gotten I, really, really good at both, apparently. I absolutely apparently. find that fascinating. Because yes. you have to – that is not an easy skill to do. And to learn it on both sides, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Now, granted, he did it last year for a lefty. Yep. Uh, last couple of years for yep. a lefty, so 
it might be even harder to learn it from a righty standpoint. Yeah, but apparently he's been able to do it really, really well. And then the other thing I was going to say, too, is that we asked him about the return game now that Giles Jackson has been kind of out of service a little bit. He practiced today, but he still wasn't returning kicks or punts or anything like that. And Schmidt said that basically they feel really good about four guys that they have at punt return, starting with Jalen McMillan. They've got Roma Dunze. they got Denzel Boston. And then there was, I think, Jeremy Bernard. Those were the four that I, I believe he mentioned. Uh, but J-Mac will be the first one. And I think they, they use Roma Dunze, I think, as kind of an emergency guy. Uh, Jeremy I, I like Bernard would be hold. the guy that I would expect to be the second one. Yeah, but then also, but he mentioned Jeremy Bernard being one of the, the main guys at kick return. Now that there's no, uh, then now that Giles Jackson's been limited, and they, they'll bring him back and he'll be in the mix. But the big guy they missed there is going to be Cameron Davis. So with no Cameron Davis back there now, it sounds like Jeremy Bernard is going to be really in the mix. And then Daniel Ngata, who he mentioned, was it was one of the top returners in the Pac-12 last year at Arizona State. Uh, those two guys, Bernard and Ngata, will probably be the ones that they're going to focus on uh, right now to see what happens. And then obviously once Giles comes back full go, They'll try to work him in. Or Kaibo Rogers, I wouldn't be surprised. They've got some some of the guys. Yeah. You mentioned true freshmen. So, Keith I mean, Reynolds. Yeah, Keith Reynolds would certainly be another guy. I wondered about uh, Tayshawn Lyons, too, yeah. a little bit. Leroy Bryan is a really good return guy. Yeah, so, they, so they've got guys in the mix. I mean, they have guys that they feel – he said they have about four or five guys that they feel they call, they call them like danger guys. Yeah. And then they've got another four or five guys that I think they feel are more of their safety guys. Yeah. So they've got a good mix. But again, you know, when you've had the John Rosses and you've had the Dante Pettises and guys like this, you know, they, they've got to come up with some guys that can create some explosives. Yeah, just a quick note on basketball. Uh, basketball team over in Europe, they were supposed to play three games. It looks, well, uh, we know for definitely uh, the third game got canceled. It sounds like they had some issues with uh, the court that they were playing on. So, so it sounds like in Barcelona, so they had two games, the last two games they were going to play were in Barcelona. And both of those games were on the same court. And in the in the first game that they were going to play in Barcelona, it got called short or cut short because of some issue with the court. Yeah. So I don't know what that meant. And then the problem was is that the the last game in Barcelona was going to be played on the same court. So clearly they didn't get it fixed, and they couldn't find a replacement place to go play. Yeah. So uh, basketball team expected back from Europe uh, Friday night, and. Uh, I'll try to catch up with Mike Hopkins and the coaching staff there and uh, get their things uh, on Jen Cohen. And please don't go off the rails on this. Mike Hopkins actually had a clause in his contract where he could opt out if Jen Cohen left. That's not going to happen. Uh, Jen Cohen also had a uh, opt out in her contract if Ana Mari Kase left. So uh, these aren't unusual clauses. So I'll try to catch up uh, with Coach Hop uh, next week. So uh, Scott Eklund, go ahead and wrap it up. Um, honestly, just jonesing for fo- real football, uh, football that counts, you know, um, obviously these, the practices, you gotta, you gotta get it in, you gotta do all the work, you gotta prep and all that different stuff. But man, it is, you know, Kim, you refer it to it as groundhog day. Well, you've been referring it to groundhog day, hog day basically since week one. It's just, I'm, yeah. I am definitely into groundhog day now. I mean, it, it, today was, I think Chris, you mentioned it was one of the quietest practices we've seen at fall camp so far. There, there, what, I don't want to say there wasn't energy, but there just wasn't the hooping and hollering. And Well, I, call, and I, call, it, I call it less fire, more focus. Yeah. Like you can tell they're drilling things down. They're trying to get to yeah. the details yeah. of things. And, and it just, you know, 
it all that work needs to be done, but to sit there and watch it and try and explain it to people and make it interesting, it's hard. And and so I'm looking forward to when we are sitting in the press box watching a game, which is only ten days away. Yeah, no, for sure. It's or, yeah, ten days. Wrap it up, Chris Fetters. Yeah, it, it's just it, again to, to echo what Scott says. It's it's not it's not necessarily difficult to explain what's going on in the practice, but. It's, it's hard to get a lot out of it in the sense that this is a practice where they are really drilling down towards their game week. I mean, you know, San Jose State and USC play on Saturday. So mm-hmm. football's happening this weekend. College football's happening this week weekend. Week zero, yeah. Yeah, Notre Dame's playing Navy, I think, in Dublin, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So we got college football coming up this weekend. So you can, that's how, that'll tell you how close we are to, to really getting this thing going. And so when you're when you're there as a football program, and we talk about it being a really quiet practice, you know when the competition is not necessarily there, and maybe positions are a lot more settled than they were maybe in week one or week two, because this is now the eighth practice that we've get, gotten a chance to see in full, but only the second practice we've gotten a chance to see in the last two weeks. I think it's fair to say in the last two weeks things have really gotten well because they had their their scrimmages and they, their main they scrimmages that, yeah. were done for sure. And they're, they're all done with that, and they're drilling things down. And, again, when you're dealing with a lot of scout team stuff and you're, and you're not going good on good and you're not competing in that way and you're not doing, like, for instance, we didn't see a lot of third down uh, series. We didn't see a lot of red zone series. We didn't see a lot of those. This was more of them just saying, here, here's some looks that we think we're going to see. Here's some things that we wanted to go back and look at again just to get some of the details down. These are the things that they're really focused on right now. And so that's why I would say it was just a quieter practice, more focus, less fire. The energy, I think, is still very much there. But they're not hitting. They weren't hitting today. It was thud tempo, but they were almost going out of their way to not hit. So you can, again, this is just drilling down. We're past the point now where we're ready to see some real football. And so hopefully it's just a few days away. Yeah, this will be the last practice that we're able to see until spring ball. So uh, we've got game week starting with press conferences with, uh, and we've got media obligations, uh, you know, Thursday and Friday as well. But a press conference on Monday with Kalen DeBoer and the two coordinators. And we're pretty much on a regular schedule with the coordinators. And then uh, defensive players on Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember. but And vice versa. Do, yeah, we, yeah, do we know for sure that it's going to be the coordinators with, yes, with DeBoer yes, on Monday? Yes, I did ask. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we've got that. And then, you know, we're into game week i mean we are into game week so uh you know about 10 days away or 11 my math is bad but uh it's it's on our way it's 10 days if you go by what's on our front page lots going on we (laughs) anticipate a lot more going on well isn't that why jake locker was the one who uh talked today because he's number 10 yeah we got football basketball we got recruiting going on and in addition to all of that we've got a big promo 50 percent off your annual subscription if you're not a subscriber to dogman.com especially with you know the ad search and everything that's going to be going on with that there's no better time to subscribe to dogman.com so for all of us here at husky stadium i'm kim grenolds along with chris fetters and scott eklund go dogs Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.